Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I am Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm making it. Today, we are here to talk about Shiori, which is fitting because we very recently did the jury episode, and if you're wondering why we are choosing characters in this order, it's mostly who I can fit in the schedule at what time. So there's not really any rhyme or reason as to which characters we're doing for character episodes at what time. We're just sort of throwing it out there and seeing what we can get done because I really want to cover everybody in this I don't know what adjective to use to describe the cast of the show, but uh, I definitely want to talk about all of them because they're all very interesting. And we've got a lot of people out here on the internet who have a lot of passion for these individual characters. And one person who has a passion for Shiori, this is an episode that has been highly anticipated by at least me and maybe a couple of other people that listen to the show uh doc is here to talk to us about shiori doc is from the uh empty movement discord how you doing doc i am doing great how are you i'm doing just fine and uh what do you just uh hang out in the discord do you do other stuff in the usana fandom i just kind of realized that i don't really know the answer (laughs) to that question um well, I, I originally come from the forums that the Discord is now based on, but those years of high activity there are sort of in the past now. Um, and I'm on Tumblr. I do Shiori, you know, Shiori shitposts and things like that on Tumblr, but mostly I'm just hanging out in the Discord and spreading spreading my Shiori gospel around, infecting the youth. Yeah, that kind of leads us into what is your history with Revolutionary Girl Utena? Like just as a uh, franchise, as a series. Well, I have a little bit of a longish history with Utena. I'll I'll keep it fairly brief, but um, I saw the show originally when I think I was maybe I was twelve or thirteen. I don't remember the exact age that I was. Oh, wow, that's pretty early. Yeah, I bought it in a media play, which is, that'll tell you a little bit about the timeline. Wow. As media play has gone the way of Blockbuster, sadly. Um, I've never heard of that. It was an old, as the name might suggest, media store, you know, just the same as like a Best Buy now, but um, pre, pre those times. Um, I bought it. I loved it. I was on the internet for maybe a year or two I ran a Shiori MySpace page and I I was doing that and then in 2006 when the forum came around I signed up and it was all history from there so I I made a joke um, before I came on today that I was going to come on as a Shiori historian but that's kind of not that far from the truth as I've been in the Utena fandom for you know, probably like 13 years now, and I've been a Shiori fan for that entire time. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, so is Shiori your favorite character? Shiori is my favorite character. And um, I guess quite plainly, uh, why is Shiori your favorite character? I know she's a little bit of a divisive figure in the uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena fandom. <laughs> I actually really like her. Mm-hmm. Uh And so that's why I was really interested in having you on. But why would you say that she's your favorite character? Like what really, what drew her to you when you first got involved with the series? It's a really kind of a complicated question to answer. And I I always sort of say that 
to some degree, the truth is that Shiori is my favorite character because I have invested in Shiori being my favorite character um, <laughs> in the same way that, you know, some of your other guests uh, have probably felt about their characters. You know, the character that has the most complex and nuanced and underappreciated writing is going to be the character that you spent 10 years talking about. So to me, Shiori at this point has built up so much momentum as an incredibly fascinating character that I can't wrap my mind around her not being that, <laughs> even though I know that isn't what she is to most people. And I know that it's probably a little bit, um, you know, off that she is that to me. Uh, you know, but in simplest terms, Shiori is just a character that I never get tired of watching. Every time I turn her episodes on, I really feel so drawn to her and so interested in knowing why she's acting the way that she is, what her motivations are, what her part in the story is. I think that Shiori could have been a lot less than what she is, and I admire that she's not. You know, I admire that they didn't let that role be so limited, um, and they really sort of fleshed out a complicated person in these little moments of silence and, and moments of misunderstanding between them. I always feel like there's a lot to her that isn't directly addressed. And sometimes I think that's a lot more fun for you as a viewer to pick apart and put your own spin on. Yeah. Like, and that's one of the greatest things about this series, I think is that like, you'll have these characters that really only show up for maybe like, you know, like two or three episodes, but like every character that you meet is complicated and feels like there is something underneath the surface that the show or the movie or the manga in some cases isn't actually grasping at and so it's just rife to like think about and analyze and pick apart forever absolutely yeah every single character from the big ones to the little ones there are themes that are explored and it's so interesting and it's it's so rewarding that the fandom has endured for so many years specifically because of that I think because you can always talk to someone you haven't talked to before and they'll you know present you with well you know I I noticed this or you know I, I have an interest in this kind of you know narrative and I I see it through this character and it's like I never really thought about that before and now I am. And now I'm interested again. And now I want to rewatch these episodes. I think that's part of the reason why the Utena fandom has endured as long as it has. And uh, Shiori, to me, is, is a great, great example of that. Yeah, she always seemed very, like, enigmatic, but in a mm -hmm. very good way. Like, whenever she appears, Shiori has a lot of presence. Kind of how Jury has a lot of presence. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about um, what Panda's thoughts are, but I I'm curious to hear from you as well, Alice. What are your impressions of Shiori, or what kind of uh, feelings do you have toward her? So, I had two kind of reactions. My re initial reaction to Shiori was very much because I liked Jury so much, sort of a mild antipathy. Mm -hmm. But the more she was around, and the more we got to see her, the more I thought about more... I'm saying more a bunch of times. Sorry. Um, I'm looking for words. I liked how she could be simultaneously aloof, yet very invested. Mm -hmm. Like, and that I believed both of those things. Yes. There's something cool about 
when you could take a character and give them these two very different qualities and Mm -hmm. when people try to describe them they realize that both of these things that should not exist together can still exist together and work like the like when you have guts from berserk who's like crazy warrior person but also can be very vulnerable those things don't go together in our head but good writing makes it that way and she was there was like this hostility about her that seemed kind of justified even though i had no idea really what the full story was Mm -hmm. i I could not agree with that more i think that one of the things that drew me to shiori to begin with and that is still probably the thing that i like to talk about the most about her is how much of an interesting and sort of contradictory juxtaposition there is in her character between this outwardly demure image, one that, uh, you know, I would say Jury herself is really projecting certain desires and instincts onto. Uh, and then it's it's sort of, you know, juxtaposed against this incredibly destructive and hostile and thorny kind of interior. Um, and I have to imagine, you know, a, a character like that comes from an environment where girls are sort of demure by default and she just sort of had to carry that inside herself and let it get bigger and sharper in her until it couldn't just be in her anymore and it had to be out of her (laughs) um and that's something that these things just as you said they so don't go together but they do because people are not really just one thing. And Utna is great at writing its characters as people. Yeah, I find that uh, Juri and Shiori make for a really interesting foil for like Utna and Anthe. Mm-hmm. Because like they've got sort of a similar thing going on. But it's not close enough that when you're watching it for the first time, you might you might not necessarily pick up on like sort of the parallelism between like those two relationships definitely yeah jury and shiori always seem sort of like the broken mirror version of <laughs> utana and anthe and i think that utana is definitely seeing that subconsciously and that's <laughs> one of my favorite sort of busybody utana things is how much she <laughs> sticks her nose into the jury and shiori drama and clearly does not understand anything about what is going on but she is just acting on this instinct of well this isn't what this is supposed to look like you know this isn't what utana and anthe look like so this isn't what jury and shiori should look like <laughs> oh bless utana i just realized that like when I was watching the other reaction I had, because I said I had two, I didn't mention the other one was when I went back and rewatched, I realized I had seen this kind of character before. Shiori reminds me of like Lady Macbeth. Hmm. That now that is this, a really interesting. Like she has this thing where she's not, she can't be in the forefront like the way Jury mm-hmm. is. It's just not the way that she's built, but she has all the same, and turmoil and passions that jury has probably even more and she instead of just repressing that she sub like she sort of sneaks it in under the radar in a way where even though she's not actively like in your face doing something she's always there yes yeah i i very much agree with that i think that um some of the themes that would relate to a character like Lady Macbeth and that definitely relate to a character like Shiori to me would be like this idea of performative femininity and 
the way that that sort of goes hand in hand with this stepping into the background. Um, but still having this sort of inner desire to not be there. Yeah, much like Anthe, Shiori has sort of determined a way to weaponize this expectation of femininity for her own gain, or at least what she thinks will be her own gain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, weaponized is definitely a word that I use a lot <laughs> with Shiori. And I think it's another way that Jerry and Shiori have this interesting contrast, because a lot of the feelings that they're going through during the earlier stages of their friendship are really very similar and and they are these sort of comparing and contrasting you know foils to each other but it's like they take that you know volatility and they take that fear and they take that you know both positivity and negativity and and jury really internalizes it until the point where she can build a wall with it and and she can sort of protect herself you know, from it. Uh, and Shiori does the opposite. She internalizes it the best she can, but at a certain point it has to be externalized and it, it becomes, you know, very, very weaponized. And they're both sort of hurting each other with it, whether it's exactly what they mean to do or not. Um, but it's, it's, it's sort of sad <laughs> because one really can't break through the other. Yeah. Like part of the big issue with them is that they just don't, talk to each other but that's like a prevalent theme throughout like all the character dynamics in revolutionary girl utsuna is that nobody is Mm -hmm. talking to each other (laughs) no no communication is very underrated at otori (laughs) actually you know to complicate that a bit i think it's not so much that no one is talking to each other it's just that they say everything but what they actually need to say well yeah whereas like Mm -hmm. these two just don't as far as jury is concerned it's no she just has zero contact or would like to have zero contact and an almost Mm -hmm. perverse way even though she loves shiori she's the one that presses on having no contact so there's a there's a little bit of a difference to, to their whole thing than there is to say like mickey and his sisters or Mm -hmm. toga and everyone yeah, Toga, there's a lot, a lot of communication going on with Toga, but, uh, you know, you, you could call that body language more than you would maybe call it talking. Um, no, I, I agree. There is there is definitely a type of communication that happens, and it's usually not what needs to happen. And with Juri and Shiori, it's, it's just not there. It's, uh, you know, they really, whenever one makes an effort to bridge that gap, the other really just... It's, it's all the wrong timing. It's the right place and the wrong time whenever it happens. Speaking of uh, body language with Toga, um, I recently, I watched the movie again last night. And one of the things that surprised me when I watched the movie after having seen the series was how prominent of a role they gave Shiori in the movie. That wasn't really something that I expected. And I was wondering how you feel about like, the way that they told Shiori's character in the movie. I love movie Shiori. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not always. Um, there was definitely a time much earlier in the fandom where movie Shiori was sort of used 
to justify, you know, the the fairly prevalent at the time hatred of Ceres Shiori. And it's not to say that either of these are entirely undeserved, but, you know, they are different characters and the movie is clearly antagonizing, you know, her role a little bit more yeah. than it uh, really is in the show. But, I, you know, I just, I still think it's very fun. I think that there's actually something more to movie Shiori than I think is really acknowledged. And that's sort of how she fits into this role without a role. I would say that the movie, even more so than the series, really hammers home this, uh, you know, sort of fairy tale trappings um, where Utna and Anthe and Toga and Akio and everyone fit into it. Shiori is this character who does not have a defined role because she is a girl and her prince is dead, but he didn't die for her. She can still be with Toga as he is now, and it's not triumphant. It's not revolutionary. Shiori, almost like Anthe in a way, doesn't get to be the princess, and she doesn't get to be the witch. She doesn't really get to affect the story from where she stands. And it seems like throughout the movie, she is moving in the shadows and she is talking to ghosts and she is presenting tapes and pushing for duels and racing her car. She's just doing what she can to be a part of the story. She also even though she shouldn't really best, want to be in it. She does have the best line in the whole movie. <laughs> she has the best line in the movie and I would say the best line in the entire <laughs> Ursula canon. <laughs> Wait, what, what is the best line? It's a big mistake to think you're the only one who can turn into a car. <laughs> I'm oh. a car now too. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really just like convinced that life was a fever dream at that point. So <laughs> that movie is a fever dream. It it is. It definitely is. I'm not the biggest fan of the movie in the world, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it for what it is, and I certainly enjoy Shiori in it, so that's enough for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we've kind of mentioned that Shiori is not exactly the most popular character in the revolutionary girl Utsuna fandom, and uh, Yasha, who recommended you for this episode in particular, uh, mentioned that you do a really good job of sort of like explaining Shiori, like where she's coming from, like sort of her... I don't know, I guess maybe, like, the reasons that she is not the evil harpy that some people definitely want to make her out to be. And I was wondering if you might be interested in going into that a little bit. I would I would love to go into absolutely anything that I am allowed to go into about Shiori. Um, well, first, that's really, really sweet of Yasha to say that. I appreciate it. Um, we, just, you know, very short, brief personal story. We met at... Uh, one of the rose cons which was the convention that we would have for the uh empty movement forums and uh yasha and i spent one of the nights just like sitting up talking about <laughs> toga and about shiori and uh also about dragon age for a portion <laughs> of it and um it was it was really really great and that that's a memory that i really cherish and i've been happy to hear that she does as well um because it, we were just coming from such different character places <laughs> that it was very eye-opening to uh, get to talk to another fan who had such a different experience from mine and hear, you know, a little bit about why they feel the way they feel. Uh, but yeah, she uh, she said that, like, she didn't understand Shiori until, like, you broke down this character for her. And then that was when she finally kind of had, like, the epiphany and she really 
got why you were such a big fan of this character and that's why i've been so excited to have you on because like i actually i sent uh i sent alice a meme last week that i made and it was a screen cap of uh there's a tweet that Jaden Smith did a while ago that says, when I die, then you will realize, <laughs> except I edited it. So it said, when Doc comes on, imagine me and you tonight, then you will realize. <laughs> oh my gosh. That <laughs> because I've been very excited phenomenal. for Alice to understand Shiori. I, not only does that make me happier than possibly anything that I've ever heard in my life, um, it also makes me nervous. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, my <laughs> well, the thing is, and and the thing I, I is probably worth mentioning is that my reading of Shiori has kind of changed over the years, and if anything, yeah. it is less favorable now than it used to be. But I love her <laughs> even more. Like that's, the, it's not a bad thing to me to. Well, a character doesn't have to be good for them to be like understood. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And that's that's I, sort of the core premise of this whole show. Yeah. That to me, that is the absolute beginning. That is the necessary starting point for a conversation about Shiori. And honestly, I feel a conversation about any Utena character, but Shiori is uh, one that this very prominently applies to. And that is the belief that a character does not have to be a good person <laughs> to be a good character. Um, but Shiori, to me, is so interesting because she is almost sort of out of place in the story. Um, at the time that the fandom existed in when I had that conversation with Yasha or when I had a lot of other lengthy conversations uh, about Shiori, the general attitude toward her was a lot more negative. It was a lot more aggressive. It's still not incredibly supportive, but it's a lot more than it used to be. Um, the turnaround that has happened with Shiori is really kind of incredible and, and stunning from the point that I'm looking at it from. Um, but I feel like that, that context is important in understanding that, you know, I, I, I was a little more defensive of her back then because everyone was so hard on her all the time. And yeah, now, yeah, now, now that that conversation has opened up more and there are more people like yourself, who would maybe say Shiori isn't necessarily my favorite character, or even necessarily a character that I love. She's a character that, you know, I like, or a character that I'm interested in. Now that the tone has sort of shifted toward that, and I'm very, very, very grateful for it, I feel like we can have a more open conversation about what is wrong with Shiori, <laughs> you know, and why is it that okay still that that's wrong? Um, but yeah, I, I would say I had sort of mentioned earlier performative femininity and concepts like toxic femininity are really explored super, super well through Shiori's character. To me, she's one of the best characters to examine this through. Um, the choices in the way they style Shiori and all of her little visual cues and her body language are handled so effectively, and there's really no stronger evidence for that than how people do react to her, both in and out of the show. Um, there was always this touting of Shiori as a huge manipulator. And, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. She definitely is manipulative. But I think there's a lot of potential in her character for a commentary on perception versus deception. Um, and what I mean by that is that the actions we see, and, you know, correctly so, as manipulation, are stemming in no small part from the perception that others have of her. 
And from that stepping off point, she's able to justify her particular brand of deception as simply doing what is expected of her until the moment where she stops doing what is expected. And that's actually something she basically calls herself out on and calls jury out on right to her face in uh after the the breakup with Ruka when Shiori comes to her dorm room she pretty much spits at her you know I'm not going to do what you expect me to do um you know because there is this sense of forced unreality that a girl like Anthe or like Kozue or like Shiori exists within uh at least in their narrative partner's eyes and how Shiori chooses to interact with that unreality is somewhere between Anthe who really leans into that completely and uses it to its full potential and Kozue who very brazenly rejects it and is empowered by doing so. Um, And as soon as Shiori realizes that her limitation in the way that others react to her is something that she can find some semblance of power through, she takes it. Um, And I was talking about this recently with Uh, fellow forum alum, Frosty, and I had sort of come upon this metaphor, I guess, that is the way that I like to sort of explain it now, which is that uh, Shiori is consistently about taking the path of least resistance until that stops getting her where she wants to go. And when that happens, she breaks away from it. So if you imagine, you know, a, a river or a stream, not one that's catapulting toward a dangerous waterfall, but one that is just moving along, it's a lazy river, Shiori will stay in the water and let it take her forward because she doesn't have to swim. She doesn't have to push herself to move in the water. And in fact, she would have to dig her heels into the riverbank to make it stop her from moving forward. So she lets it take her forward up until the point where she does not want to be in the water anymore. And when that happens, she will look you know, to the horizon. She will spot a tree and she will identify the strongest branch that it is possible for her to reach. And she will grab onto that and use it to pull herself out of the water. Um, And I think that's a really interesting way to present a concept like performative femininity and presenting yourself leaning into what is not only conditioned in you, but what is expected of you to get you to the place where you can break away from it. Let's see. <laughs> no, like, I, I see. No, I see that. Like, I was reminded of things that I read in um, college. I was an English major, and I've seen this kind of idea before. Like, of when you talk about performative femininity, I was having like Judith Butler flashbacks. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see it. Yeah, like I hadn't really thought in those terms as much, but until recently but yeah like i see that okay that makes me so happy (laughs) makes me so happy if that makes any sense at all like it's interesting to me with fiction how it helps you to look at situations and realize that like people are really more complicated than we would probably give them in real life like that we would probably allow ourselves to believe in real life Mm-hmm. And I think that's real life is kind of an important factor in a character like Shiori because I do understand and I've definitely gained a lot more sympathy and, and understanding of this as I get older. Um, you know, that you, you can't always separate the experiences you have had from the way you're interacting with fiction. And a lot of the resentment towards Shiori does stem from 
the jury and Shiori's story being something that is so personal and so relatable, so easy to kind of slot yourself into. And um, I, I think that if you just can't like Shiori, you know, that's fine. But I do think it's also, you know, maybe a little bit therapeutic if you are able to, to get to a point, you know, where you're distanced enough from that point in your life or from that person that you can look at a character like Shiori and say, this is kind of a safe way to examine what that kind of behavior might stem from. It's not necessarily to forgive it. It's not necessarily to justify it, but just to understand it, not for the other person's benefit, but, you know, for your own. Um, and I think that's a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't, I don't blame anybody that is not jumping at the bit to do that. I think it's, something I'm maybe just, I'm fortunate, I guess, that Shiori does not strike that chord in me. <laughs> yeah, like, I've always kind of liked the idea of fiction as a way for us to explore things that we see in life in a more, in a sort of like a, in a safe, I wouldn't say a safe way. Yeah, I actually would say a safe way. It's a, it's a safe way where we can commit to experiencing something without having to commit to it, you know, mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. I can definitely relate to that in certain other aspects. And I think it's a great, great exercise when you are at a point where you're ready to do that, if you ever, you know, are, or if you have any interest in doing that, you know, and that's something I have to, <laughs> I have to work to be more understanding toward as well, uh, that not everyone is going to be able to approach from that kind of place. <laughs> Doc, you've mentioned that your feelings on Shiori have changed over the years. And given that you've been a Shiori stan for 13 years, I can imagine <laughs> that that's the case. I was kind of wondering if you'd be interested in going into that a little bit. Like how your feelings of Shiori, for Shiori have evolved over time. Yeah, um, it's probably very boring. But <laughs> Shiori, I think I, I in the beginning... I always was very, very sympathetic to her and felt like, to be honest, and this is, I mean, this is just the honest truth. I don't like being told <laughs> what character I'm allowed to like. So, you know, there was, a, there was a little bit of teenage brattiness. I was just digging my heels in and saying, why does everybody get to decide that Shiori is the worst character? I think she's the best character. <laughs> um and I think, honestly, a lot of my thoughts were motivated, even if I would try to dress it up and act like that wasn't why, <laughs> you know, that was a big part of it, uh, that I felt like she was not completely at fault. And I and I still don't think she is completely at fault. Um, but I, as I have gotten older, I think have stepped back a little bit, a little bit from the standing. I have not stepped back from the love, the love deep in my heart for her, but the, uh, the standing level of Shiori did nothing wrong is definitely <laughs> something that has changed. Shiori did less things wrong than previously believed, uh, but did some things wrong. That's, that's the stance now. Doesn't fit quite as well on a bumper sticker. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, it's, I, you wouldn't believe the pain it was to get that sticker off my car. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, it still says she, it says Shiori did nothing now, which is worse, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> One complaint that I have heard from a couple of people about Shiori is the allegation that she is homophobic. Mm -hmm. 
uh, about Jury's feelings towards her. And I can kind of see some of the, like, evidence for that in, like, Shiori calling her gross and stuff like that when she talks about Jury having her picture in the locket. But I was kind of wondering how you feel about this perception of Shiori as, like, homophobic. Wait, is mm-hmm. that a thing? Uh, yeah, I've heard it a couple a of people say that, yeah. <laughs> Huh, that I, was definitely that was definitely a big thing back in the day. I just like it, it's just, that's bizarre to me. I would never have come to that reading in a million years. Like, yeah, that was never the reading that I had, yeah, but it, it was definitely it a, a prevalent reading. It wasn't the thing that I saw the first time I watched it, but like once I heard that idea, and then like I was mm-hmm. watching episodes again, I was like, I guess I can kind of see where they're coming from. Oh yeah, I I do see where they are coming from with it. Um, I just never. <laughs> agreed with it i i think shiori is almost uh, you know to me she falls more in line with a type of internalized homophobia more than she does an externalized homophobia and i think that it is just the runoff from that is becoming externalized um to me there is such a complicated and you know really wonderful really delicious to me uh, reaction in the elevator scene from shiori it is so layered as she moves through all of these different reactions and a part of it is a little bit of anger and a little bit of disgust but I never completely bought that as being about Jury having feelings for her uh, for her I, I more read it as Shiori feeling a little bit cheated that it's taken this long for this to come out this long for her to have this revelation and, you know, very bitterly kind of accepting that it doesn't really change anything. Um, and I, I'm not saying this is what jury's mentality is. I'm not at all trying to victim blame jury for having these feelings and hiding them because she felt that she needed to. But I do think that Shiori's thought process is a little bit, you know, that jury chose to keep her a secret and jury chose to hide this because it's something to be ashamed of. And uh, Shiori is maybe internalizing that a little bit as, you know, maybe this could have been different. Maybe we wouldn't have gotten to the point where we are now, but that's where we are. And, you know, we are both such embittered and broken and combative people that we can't be something that maybe we could have been before. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that's 100% what Shiori is feeling, but I think that's an element to it that could be read. Um, I, I just think she resents the the idea that, you know, this this seems to her like a sick joke that Shiori would have these feelings for her. And she's so happy to have that power over her. And then she's so angry because what does it really do for her? Um, there's actually a line in the English version of it. Now I know that the English dub of Utena is not everyone's favorite, but I, I love <laughs> at least the English Orta's, dub. So the, the English dub is great. I, I, I don't care if people hate it. It's great. I, was, I didn't even know that there was a dub until like we were halfway through the series. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Uh, you know, I mean, like I was very young when I watched Utena for the first time. So I watched it in the dub the first time and I've since watched it in Japanese you know, many, 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 many times. But uh, Shiori's episodes, I love to go back and forth between the Japanese and English because I think that Lisa Ortez does a great, great uh, job I in her, her performance of Shiori. I adore Lisa Ortez's Shiori. Like, she is so good. First of all, so, because so good. like, 
I I don't know if you realize this, Alice, but Lisa Ortez was the main character of an anime that I like called Space Pirate Mito. And it's just Lisa like I swear we have talked about this like three times on this show <laughs> specifically. <laughs> She's also Lena Inverse from Slayers, if either of you grew up watching that. Well, I've heard of Slayers, but I've never seen that, it. Uh, Lena Inverse is nothing like Shior. But no, I love, 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 love Lisa. She is so, so phenomenal. Um, but I, I mentioned that to say that in the English dub of that scene, I think it's really interesting that they change one of the lines, uh, w- one of the last lines that Shiori says in the elevator to, it's not enough it's still not enough. And uh, I, you know, to me, that always read as a little bit of an admission that this reaction is not just because she thinks jury liking girls is icky. You know, (laughs) this is, this is a a lot going on in Shiori's mind right now. Yeah, the I feel like the key to understanding Shiori lies in understanding her resentment and like where that Mm -hmm. resentment comes from. Because, like, people, like, people love to, like, stand jury and, like, act like jury didn't do anything wrong. But, like, that's not really the case when it comes to the relationship between her and Shiori. I feel like there's something to be said about, like, the difference between being intentionally malicious and unintentionally. Mm -hmm. And one of them is definitely doing one of those things and the other is doing the other. But, like, Mm -hmm. both of these types of behavior are harmful to each other absolutely jury and shiori have such a mutually destructive relationship and that is so my jam um i really really enjoy it i enjoy it so much and that's why it's it's always a little disheartening to have it sort of simplified and reduced to less than that but uh i think it is meant to be a little bit of a little bit of on both sides. That isn't to say that Jury is doing things, you know, worse than what Shiori is doing. I think even as a certified Shiori stan, I would not claim that. Uh, but she is, you know, behaving in ways that aren't helpful. She is feeding what is wrong between them just as much as Shiori is, and neither of them are doing anything to make it better. You had mentioned earlier that uh, Jerry and Shiori sort of serve as foils to each other uh, in a way, you know, just as they foil each other and Anthony. And I think that's one of the things that's so captivating about them is how much Jerry and Shiori have this wonderful contrast and there's so much more of it than I think people realize. Um, like from their dual themes to how they internalize and externalize to, you know, the whole weapon versus shield idea. Um, I, I think it's so interesting that Jerry's first duel, the the theme is love. But here's the thing. <laughs> Jerry doesn't really fight out of love, at least not a love that is honest enough that it does anything that to, you know, aid and not inhibit her. You know, she's she's let her love become so tainted with all of these things that it's it's not something that she can really power through. Not the same way that Utena can. And, you know, at the end of that, at, at the climax of that, and, you know, wonderful moment, all of us remember, I'm sure, she's defeated in this sort of miraculous moment. Um, and then in contrast to that, Shiori's duel is jealousy. But... That's not all that's going on there either. 
because she's fighting with, you know, the sword and, you know, by implication, the soul of the person that she draws it from. But she doesn't know how to compartmentalize this new information about Jury the same way that she's been able to compartmentalize all of her own feelings. Now that you are adding this extra layer of, you know, power between them, now that you're adding this love that they hadn't spoken about, it's become something even more complicated than it was before. And Shiori isn't really ever able to handle the sword the same way that Juri can. And she is defeated in a completely ordinary way. There is no miracle. No miracle presents itself to save her or to defeat her because that's not really needed. And that's so fun to me to, to pick apart these little things about them and how they contrast against each other. And I think another one of the things that's a, a huge contrast between them and is, uh, you know, sort of fitting in the theme of jury not being completely without, you know, fault or without any bearing of responsibility on their situation is this capacity that Shiori demonstrates to have the life she wants in a way that Jury doesn't. Um, they both do have issues with seeing reality as it is and with admitting that, you know, the situation is what it is, but Shiori is a lot less passive than her demeanor kind of suggests, and Jury is sort of willfully staying married to her melancholy. Um, you know, the, the thing that she wants is something that she will make active choices to get, whether it is, you know, stealing the heart of the boy from the fencing club uh, or returning to Otori and, you know, asking Jury to, you know, talk with her, writing her the letters even before that point, telling her, you know, I know you must hate me, but, you know, I, I did what I did and I don't regret doing it. Um, you know, when she, when she goes for Ruka, when she goes for you know, her, her ending being in the fencing hall after the revolution. Shiori does make these movements toward things that Jury doesn't. Um, not, not entirely, at least. You know, Shiori's most sort of jarring moment of joy, I think, in the show is when she learns that Jury isn't untouchable. And she is so maliciously gleeful when she says that, uh, you know, to Utena in their duel that she sees now that Jury isn't the person she thought she was. And that is so uplifting to her. That really makes Shiori feel that she can approach this, whereas Jury is the complete opposite. Um, to see Jury as being flawed and fallible is what Shiori craves, while seeing Shiori as any of these things, and in fact, seeing, seeing Shiori as a person, seeing Shiori as human, is something that Jury really turns away from. You know, she won't look at Shiori when she's up on the balcony. She would rather look inside her locket when she's alone. And she'd rather look at a picture of Shiori where Shiori isn't looking back at her. That, defe that defeat is real, a really liminal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so sad. You know, I don't, I don't say any of that to put blame on Jury for it or to say that Jury is doing anything that I don't have sympathy for. But just to say they are both not really doing the right thing here <laughs> but that maybe that's just what they have to i really loved what you said about jury would rather look at the picture in her locket where shiori's not even looking at her like that is not like i i had kind of gotten that impression about like how J jury would sort of rather 
imagine a version of Shiori that exists in her heart rather than face the one that exists in reality. But like that bit mm-hmm. about like the picture where she's not even looking at her, where she doesn't have to like look Shiori in the eye and face like all of this just was like, whoa. Yeah, it's I, I all these little these little moments in Utna, they're just so good. Oh, they're just they're fantastic. Um, yeah, jury, that is something that always really strikes me as so sad. So not sad in, in the normal jury way, but sad in the way that I am sad for Shiori, which is like, this is kind of pathetic sad, um, that she loves to look at this photo. And it's not even a photo where Shiori is looking at her. It's a photo where she is pointedly looking at the other person, um, and that's, yeah, the, I mean, there's no stronger, I think, visual shorthand than that to sort of explain how Jury does love Shiori as a construct, because that's the only way that you can love someone from afar that way. It's the only way that you can be so removed and so excommunicated from someone that you believe yourself to love at a certain point that isn't a person anymore that's a monument that you have made, you know, in, in your own mind. And, you know, that's, there's something very tragic about that, but there's also something that I think as a society, we kind of romanticize about that. And I think that's why jury is generally given a pass for it in a way that Shiori a lot of times is not because Shiori is confronting a reality that isn't good enough for her Jerry might as well be and uh, uh, like medieval romance exactly jury is a character that i think is a tragic character but she's tragic in a more interesting way i think than people give her credit for when they view that tragedy as something that is not her own making are you familiar with um evangelion at all absolutely <laughs> i'm an utina fan i don't know why you even have to ask <laughs> well you remember the AT field? Mm-hmm. The whole idea that's kind of like separating people as, as this sort of like brick around the cell, brick wall around the self. Mm-hmm. First one. Yeah, that's definitely. Absolute terror. They actually got from mm-hmm. um, Freud, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's actually what he was kind of describing. I've heard that the, before. The, our sense of self as being reliant upon building these just iron wrought walls around it and that works for us but it also isolates us in a very real sense from other minds and so we kind of end up doing a sort of plato's cave thing to ourselves where we sort of create Mm. other people in our heads like a version of them that we can interact with inside of the wall it's like in battlestar galactica when gaius is seeing uh yeah number six in his head yeah actually it is kind of like that and like that whole dynamic of recreating a person in your mind to interact with while the real person is in front of you and very different is kind of one of the things upon other about re-watching the series that i really like about the shiori jury storyline mm-hmm. yeah i i can completely see that i think it's definitely one of the things that sells me on it the most if not the thing that sells me on it the absolute most um i just want to say i do think that the 
really quickly, the Utsuna movie would have been better if Shiori's spine would have glowed red like number sixes <laughs> while she was boinking Toga. If I could go back and change something, I think I would. <laughs> um, but aside from that, admittedly, aside it from been that, much better. <laughs> admittedly, I mean, just imagine before the wings sprout out, you just see the like red fire shooting up her spine. That would have been great. Uh, anyway, no, but yeah, I, and all of that really ties into what is actually, and I'm, I'm stepping aside a little bit from the Shiori talk into jury talk, but what is actually my favorite jury moment in the series, which is when she loses her second duel. And the reason that it is my favorite is because I have realized in recent years that I have a different reading of it than apparently a lot of people did, where that is so not a triumphant moment to me. That is the biggest moment of Jury accepting her own defeat and accepting that she is choosing to have the kind of sadness that she has because she has really defined herself with it that way. You know, when she loses the duel, it's not that the locket is, you know, some kind of magical artifact that ties her to Shiori and that having the locket cut away is, is freeing her from Shiori and that the rains are, you know, falling down in this moment of cleansing. If anything, it reads to me like being cut from the locket makes the jury realize how much she does not want to let go of that and how much, you know, just as, you know, at least I have seen throughout the series, she isn't prepared to let go of this, image that she's built and she isn't prepared to face reality giving up the rose to me and and you know the rains pouring down sort of you know crying for her you know is is a moment of acknowledging this is kind of what I want for myself I don't want it and it doesn't make me happy but I don't know that I really want to be happy without it and that's so so incredibly depressing (laughs) in a way that I like. It's interesting that you say that because I had never really taken it to be triumphant either. I always took that moment to be profoundly sad. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. To everything about the staging of it is so melancholy that I really was very blown away when I would read uh, how this was sort of, you know, giving up this toxic relationship and she didn't need to win the duel anymore because now she was free and to be clear i'm not saying anything against that reading or that other people can't have it i think that's you know very obviously the more optimistic view but i don't really need (laughs) jury and shiori to be an optimistic story so i can't help but feel it's not a good moment i mean it's a great moment in terms of storytelling but it's not a good moment in terms of jury making a positive step toward progress. One thing that has always confused me about Shiori is that I don't really understand her thing that she says about miracles. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand her little like catchphrase that she's got, which I'm sure that you know the entirety of, but about like (laughs) believing in miracles and they'll show you Mm -hmm. their true feelings or whatever it is i've never really understood what that means you know it comes across to me as bad advice (laughs) first (laughs) and second of all (laughs) no it comes across to me as bad advice that she has probably received throughout her life that she has cobbled together um because she thinks it is 
in some way reassuring. It sounds like something that she would say to herself, and she's sort of poorly trying to make it universal to apply it to jury. Because uh, I've always kind of had this reading that Shiori comes from a little bit more religious or conservative or traditional kind of family, not not the kind of place that encourages a lot of excessive emotions, a lot of really free and open expression. Um, her styling and, and the way that she comes back to the academy and says something about being the prodigal daughter always kind of puts this image in my mind. So I don't necessarily think that she believes in miracles in a really literal spiritual religious kind of sense but more as this abstract concept um in in the way that a lot of religious and spiritual people do kind of treat it not really as something that is actually tied to anything but it's it's just sort of absolving you of responsibility (laughs) it's something that absolves herself and jury of the responsibility of communicating with each other because she just sort of says if you you know believe in it you don't have to say it, you know, they'll just know your feelings and wouldn't it be nice if they did. And I think that she kind of believes that for herself as well. It's, it's part of what she isn't communicating to jury. And whether you read that as her not communicating a romantic interest or not is up to interpretation. You know, I am a fan of them in that regard, but <laughs> I, I don't think it has to be read that way. I definitely think it can just be I don't have to be open with you about the ways in which I feel weak or unhappy or unfulfilled because it's too hard to say it and it would make it real to say it. And uh, Jury, I think, resents this, obviously. <laughs> you know, she makes it very clear that she's very unhappy with this because it just doesn't work that way. And it never really came true for her. And I think Jury would not hate it so much if she did not at one point really, really want to believe that it was true too. And obviously it wasn't. Um, So yeah, I don't don't know exactly why Shiori says it so much, why it became her catchphrase, but what it is in practice, you know, what it has effectively become is a way to sidestep talking about what's going on between them and what they're feeling. And now, you know, in, in the present timeline that we are seeing, it's just this sort of looming monument to jury of what hasn't happened. <laughs> Man, you, you kind of got me wanting to go back and watch those episodes again. <laughs> they're great episodes. I really recommend them. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love the Shiori episodes, and I I recognize that I should be saying the jury episodes, but you know, they're, to me, they're the Shiori episodes. Well, there are more jury episodes than there are Shiori episodes, so I feel like you mm-hmm. can categorize them as like there being jury episodes, and then there being jury plus Shiori episodes, effectively mm-hmm. also making them Shiori episodes. Yeah, yeah. To me, it's like, we've got episode seven. That's the one where Shiori is in a picture and she writes a letter. And we've got episode 17. That's where Shiori is in her sad little dorm room with all the sheets on everything. And then we've got 28 and 29. That's the one where Shiori likes to change her curtains to color match her mood. Um, <laughs> 
you know, all great, all great details. <laughs> no, but I love if, if I can stop on what is a very inconsequential Shiori thing that I love <laughs> really quickly here. Absolutely. It is the scene it is the scene in episode seventeen, Thorns of Death, where Utna and Anthe come back to Shiori's dorm room. That is and it's always very bizarre when I try to explain this because I don't really even know exactly what I mean. But I love that scene. I think it is honestly one of my favorite Shiori scenes in the entire show. Because it's one of the only times you get to see Shiori interact with a character that isn't Juri. Um, and, you know, later on isn't Ruka. And I think to assume that she has the same relationship to the whole world that she has to them would not be accurate. So it's kind of important to see how this looks in a lens that isn't juries. And it also, you know, ironically lets you understand what kind of lens jury does have towards Shiori, because this is probably what jury saw when they were younger. You know, she's very proper. She's very polite. You know, she invites Utna and Anthe back to the dorm and she smiles and she nods and she does all of these very demure kind of things you know she has that line about being the prodigal daughter which I think is great and it really paints a very lonely image of her you know her entire room is covered in sheets because she's just moved but from what we as a viewer can glean from this it covers anything that would strongly indicate a sense of personality Um, and you know by extension of that a sense of personhood you know it, it says to us we don't really know who Shiori is that isn't superficial. And that superficiality is kind of important though. It's kind of necessary. You know, this awkward meeting between Shiori and Utsun and Anthe is so steeped in formalities. It's it's steeped in this, so you grew up with Jury, huh? What was that like? Gosh, I sure can't imagine Jury as a kid. And that's not <laughs> the way you talk to a friend. That's the way you talk to someone you've just met. But Shiori still invites that further, even though she obviously can see this isn't comfortable, <laughs> you know, she she gets too personal about jury for a moment and, you know, has to apologize and say, I, you know, I'm so embarrassed that I did that. Um, but she still asks them, you know, come back sometime. I don't have a roommate. Um, she wants that superficial, uh, you know, fake pleasantry to go on because it's probably the only pleasantry that she has experienced since returning to Otori. You know, Jury isn't interested in talking to her right now and she doesn't really have anyone else in her life, you know? And and I think that's where you can most clearly see who Shiori is when she doesn't have direction. And, you know, before all of this resentment bloomed between them, this is probably what Shiori looked like to Jury. I uh, I was wondering if you have read the uh, the new manga chapter that came out that has to do with Jury and Shiori. I have. I have. <laughs> I, I was kind of wondering how you feel about that. I uh, still haven't read it because I'm bad at doing things for my podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> I'm interested to hear what you thought about it. I feel things about it <laughs> um I, you know i feel bad to say it i'm not a big fan of it it didn't really hit the right notes for me i've read some really interesting analysis about it um there are a couple you know posts on tumblr here and there that talk about it and i 
can look after the show and I'll, I'll uh, maybe send you a link to them. But for me, this Shiori is so removed from the Shiori of the series that it's hard to even recognize her. Um, I, I won't give any spoilers about it since you haven't read it yet, but you know, if, did you read the first one, the, um, the Toga and Sionji one? Uh, no, I, I started it and then I had to go do something and I never ended up finishing reading it, mm-hmm. but, uh, okay. I am interested. Yeah. Well, you saw a little bit about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've seen at least enough to know, you know, these are all a, like a little bit of an AU kind of situation. Yeah, <laughs> None of well, these are really exactly canon. Yeah. Like it's Saito writing sort of like a... From what it seems to me, at least from just having sort of like look, like glazed over it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. it looks sort of like Saito trying to incorporate both elements from like the manga and the show into something new. Yes, the plot is a mishmash, I would say, of the Jury and Ruka chapter from the manga and the jury shiori and ruka episodes from the anime and a little bit of just kind of you know abstractness sprinkled in there alice really liked the uh the ruka chapter of the manga did you at least i thought she did i did actually yeah well ruka i would say is definitely a lot more you know likable in the manga (laughs) than he comes across in the show it's very radically different Mm-hmm. I, i then you may enjoy this because i would say ruka comes across a lot a lot closer to the manga counterpart to me than he does to the anime. Uh, Whereas Jury is kind of all over the place. (laughs) You know, actually, like with time, I'm not sure which one I like more. Like, they're both trying to push Jury, but the ways that they do it are so radically different, even though a lot of their Mm -hmm. actions are the same. It's just, it is mind-boggling how you can take most of the same actions and get a completely different result based on Yeah, just put a a different kind of filter over it, and now it all reads differently. Um, And that's kind of the issue to me, I guess, in, in the new manga chapter, is the filter that is on it is... A filter that I think a lot of people will appreciate and enjoy, and I say, you know, cheers to that, more power to them. It's not what I love about uh, their relationship or about Shiori. I think this version of her is by far, between the series and the movie, the least, you know, deplorable, actively harmful version of Shiori. But that's, I'm not interested in Shiori being, you know, squeaky clean and not doing things wrong. You know, I kind of feel like let her be a part of the story and and let her negatively impact it because that's, you know, giving her more of an important role. I would almost say in this new chapter, it is more of a Jury and Ruka chapter than it is a Jury and Shiori one. Shiori is present, but she is so unlike herself and she does so little to really move the plot forward she's just sort of an accessory for uh you know jury to be projecting feelings onto that while it's pretty to look at i'll certainly say that i am a fan of saito's art style i know not everyone is but i I like reading the manga just to look at it you know i think it looks good uh but shiori herself is that ends a little bit with with how I feel about her, and uh, I'm I'm not going to give any spoilers about the plot, but I am going to say one thing that really I can't get around. You can do, and it's you can very do shallow, but I can't. <laughs> I'm not 
I, I want to read it, but like whether or not mm-hmm. I technically know what's going to happen in it, I don't think it's really going to change the experience of reading it, honestly. Yeah. No, the, the feelings will still be something you can't really convey just saying it. But this isn't a spoiler in terms of any plot relevance. It's only a spoiler in terms of Shiori <laughs> writing for me. Yeah. Uh, and that is that they show this scene where Juri is looking at Shiori from across this like lake that's sort of dividing their property and it's she's looking at shiori's house and it's shiori's birthday and it is such a direct mirror of the young toga and nanami birthday scene where nanami is presenting toga you know with the present that ends up being you know the cat in the box um jury doesn't present shiori with a present or anything like that but it's the way that shiori is set up and styled there she looks like a kiryu she looks hella rich and that is so at ends with what I see for Shiori. Shiori being super, like, ball and rich is not in line with how she acts at all. I don't feel that a, uh, the kind of, like, social climbing that comes about in her character lines up with her being, like, really really rich and showered in presents it's her birthday and there's all these like adults around her giving her like boxes that are bigger than she is yeah i don't really i can't really see that it's weird it's very weird it's like this works for toga i can totally see this toga birthday party i do not see this as shiori's birthday party that's so weird anyway that's a small thing but it's small but it really oh it gets me it really bothers me i don't know if you spoke with giovanna about the new chapter um the 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 first one the toka samaji and akio one but i know she has a lot of feelings about presenting akio as an artist and how much that seems to be at ends with a fundamental part of his character and while it's not to that extreme i kind of feel that way about making shiori super super rich it really doesn't line up with how she acts in the series at all <laughs> yeah i don't think that we ended up talking about that chapter because we did do an episode about akio but it was more of a we hadn't really nailed down the format for these character episodes yet, so we sort of just watched a couple of mm-hmm. Akio, like particular Akio episodes, and kind of like talked on top of and around what was going on in the episodes. And uh, at yeah. the at the end, uh, Giovanna ended up uh, being mad about that episode because she didn't <laughs> say all of the things that she wanted to say. But if I let her say all of the things she wanted to say, we would have, uh, three, four hour long episodes just about Akio. And uh-huh. I, don't think, I don't think my audience would, would stick around for that. <laughs> no, I, yeah, you, it would just have to become the Akio cast and, I would listen to it, but I understand that's not what you're going for here. I feel like Giovanna could do a great Akio podcast that would Mm -hmm. infuriate the internet, but would be of great use for uh, Mm -hmm. discourse. I feel like you should like have an episode of Fresh Podcast Market that's just about 
what should she name her Akio podcast? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fresh Podcast Market is my other podcast that I do where my friend and I come oh. up with uh, fake podcast ideas. <gasps> that is phenomenal <laughs> because I love, I, I sit around listening to podcasts all day. It's really like a sad problem. And I am constantly pitching podcast ideas to myself for like, what if I made a podcast about this <laughs> that are never going to happen? Hey, if you have some, and if you write some down and you want to come on Fresh Podcast, podcast market we'd also love to have you there <laughs> oh i would love it i would love to tank the listenership of two of your podcasts at uh, once well, that would be great <laughs> podcast market only gets about 10 listens per episode so there's not much to tank <laughs> <laughs> well i'll be the 11th now i'll go ahead and i'll add it on oh but yeah it's um it's not a bad chapter it's not like a, a terrible terrible thing that shouldn't exist or anything like that but i you know i'm freely willing to admit i like a warts at all image of shiori so i don't love this wart free version of her as much yeah i'm definitely gonna have to read that chapter because i haven't yet actually it's very pretty alice do you have any other questions um i can't think of any okay um i have uh one more question that's just like popped into my mind. Do you think that Shiori actually liked Ruka or was this sort of more of a means to an end type situation? I think it's, it's both. And that is something that I really love about Shiori. That's a part of her character that I think is really, really crucial is that she is manipulative and she is deceitful but the thing that you kind of have to remember is that shiori lies to herself first and foremost she is nothing if not committed to the lie and she is buying what she is selling 100 percent um to me when she tells ruka that she polished his sword every day she isn't just taking the out that he gave her in that moment uh, but she is incorporating that into part of the story you know, between the moment that she is standing up on the fencing balcony, where she very often is seen throughout the series, and that's another very, you know, wonderful, delicious detail. Uh, she, you know, she looks between Jury watching Ruka and, and the way that all the girls around him are talking to him. And between that moment and where she is in the locker room, where she's just sort of gingerly touching his locker in a display that is like for no one but herself, she has convinced herself that this is exactly what she wants and exactly what she needs. And moreover, it is a thing that is going to make her happy. You know, she does want power and she is seeking power through Ruka. But what power means to Shiori is actually being happy with who she is, where she is, and what she has. The sad voicemails that she leaves Ruka, the crying horrible breakdown in the courtyard you know the venom that she spits at jury all of that to me comes from a very real place but it's a realness that she has sort of manufactured for herself yeah like the uh where you mentioned that she has sort of like convinced herself that this is what she wants is sort of also uh at least it seems to me what was at play with uh when it like we first saw Shiori and the episode where they talk about like the guy that she thought the jury liked and so then Shiori decides oh I like this guy too 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a a lashing out against you know the place that she's been put into, but it's also something that she I don't think is really completely you know descended into like conscious villainy enough to acknowledge you know I'm doing this because I'm choosing to do this you know how she allows herself to do it is by convincing herself completely that that is what she wants to do Um, and I think that's a great a great moment to compare the letter that she writes Jury in episode seven um, which you know tells her I loved him and you know you must hate me for what I've done and I don't blame you for that but I don't regret it because I, I had to act on my feelings. And you compare that to her elevator scene where, you know, she openly admits, you know, I thought this is what I wanted, but it just made me feel more pathetic than before. It made me realize, you know, once we were gone, that I didn't really want this and this wasn't really enough. And, you know, it made her realize that this was motivated not out of her feelings toward this boy, but out of her feelings toward jury. And she hates that. <laughs> You know, because it's giving jury power over her that she would make such a huge, bold decision and it wasn't about what she really wanted at all. It wasn't about, you know, anything that this boy could actually give her. And I'm not necessarily saying it's about her loving jury or hating jury, but it's about her, you know, caring more about jury than she does about anything else that's happening. And that is not what she wants. She already really seems to loathe the idea that she's doing something for anyone other than herself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, and that's something that I think Jury and Shiori have more in common than they realize. Oh, definitely. Is uh, how, how much they do things for each other, but not like for the benefit of each other. <laughs> Just sort of like performatively done because of each other. And uh, sort of to wrap this all up, do you have any uh, recommendations for things that people could read about Shiori? I know that there are essays on MC Movement, but I don't know if there is very much about Shiori on there. Uh, But do you have any like recommendations for stuff that people might could consume if they are interested in Shiori content? Ah. Gosh, that's difficult to say. I, I feel like so much of it is just archived randomly throughout the internet. Okay. Uh, there is there is at least one Shiori essay on the Empty Movement site. I believe the title of it is Perfection's Shadow, and it is written by another Shiori fan. I have to give a little shout out to her. She is my OG, you know, fellow Shiori stand from back in the day. Uh, her name is Razara, and she wrote this essay. Now, this essay is, I don't know, maybe 10 years old at this point. I'm not sure how old it is, but it... I haven't read it in a while, so I'm not sure exactly what it says, but I'm sure it is still good. Um, I, I love Rosra. I think she is fantastic, uh, and we were both very big Shiori fans in a time when it was not easy to be one. So I would recommend that. Um, otherwise, just come <laughs> talk to me about it if that's not too, like, <laughs> I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I don't mean that to imply that I know more about Shiori than anyone else. I guess what I mean is I don't really have a good place where it's documented. I just want to talk about it all the time. So um, send me a message anytime, day or night. Ask me a question about Shiori and I will talk about it <laughs> endlessly. I do actually have one last actual question and I need to know what type of content was on this Shiori MySpace page. <laughs> Anything you can imagine. There were pictures of her that I drew. Oh bad fan art. There was bad fan yes, fiction. Yes, there was. Yes. <laughs> 
There was official art. There was uh, some Shiori role playing. <laughs> Nobody wanted to role play with Shiori except for like one or two other people. But you know, I, I got in on it. Um, <laughs> no, it was. I mean, honestly, it was mostly just sort of a Shiori Appreciation Society kind of page. Um, and it's so funny because I had that MySpace page, and I also had a Deviant Art that I, I don't anymore, where I would post all of the Shiori fan art and. Even when I would post like non-Shiori related content, because I had this Shiori icon, it was inevitable. There was never a post that did not get comments that were like, what's with the Shiori? What are you doing? Who do you think that you are? Like, <laughs> what is this sick, weird joke where you are pretending that Shiori is a good character? Get out of here with this. I imagine that she um, gets similar reactions with her uh, Akio fandom. I'm I'm sure. You know, I, it's it's kind of crazy that we have finally reached this point in the fandom where Akio is being acknowledged as like maybe a worse person than Chiori. <laughs> There's many years where that was not the case. I'm sorry, but I don't. I'm glad that I wasn't in the fandom at that time because that's not a world <laughs> I want to live in. It was a t it was a very dark timeline. <laughs> But you know what? That you stronger opinions, I feel, are forged, you know, in the fires. And if if everyone was not consistently telling me, you know, quit this, quit this, get rid of it, I don't want to see it, uh, then I would not have had to, you know, be a brat who continued to do it anyway. Some of the best uh, best motivated things are done through spite. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great motivator. Shiori is living proof of that. <laughs> it's the theme of uh, Shiori's life a lot of the time. It, it is. Spite, malice, uh, <laughs> resentment, curtains, you know, they all kind of come together and they make a beautiful, beautiful swan at the end. <laughs> but uh, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenacast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you could do that at Mpandanata. Alice, where can they follow you on Twitter? They can find me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And uh, Doc, I don't know if you're much of a Twitter user, but if you so wish to be found on the internet, where could people find you? I do not use Twitter. I'm sorry. I know that's where a lot of Everyone is aggregated now. Um, I'm around on the internet. I'm on Tumblr, Doc Noctum, D-O-C-N-O-C-T-E-M. Not a lot that's worth anything on there, but you can send me a message anytime. And you can also send me a message and ask for an invite to the Empty Movement Discord, and I'll get you set up with one. There's a lot of conversation going on over there. Uh, those are probably going to be the best ways to get in touch. Yeah, uh, listeners, if you're not in the Empty Movement Discord, I don't know how to invite people to it because... I don't know how to discord very well, but there <laughs> is always really good conversation going on over there. And I don't participate in a lot of it because again, I'm bad at discord and I forget that I'm not logged in. So I don't see notifications, but uh, like if you're ever fiending for Utena content, like that's the place to go. Like I guarantee that if you post something that somebody will want to talk to you about like your Utena special interest. Definitely. There is nothing that is too obscure. No character who is, you know, not going to have somebody batting for them if you put it out there. Everybody is somebody's fave. That's right. 
And if you would like to follow us on Tumblr, you could do that at imagineandutima.tumblr.com where I need to update more. We are a Patreon-supported podcast. You can find the link to that pretty much anywhere you can find us on the internet. And that is the best way to support the show, even though it will always be free to listen to and to download. And uh, if you would like to come on the show to talk about your favorite character or something else about Revolutionary Girl Uthna, the franchise that you'd like to talk about, you could email us at imaginemeandutna at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter. And I think that's all of our things that I say. (laughs) Revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later. Bye.